You're listening to an audio message from The Well, a gospel-centered church family in Hastings, Nebraska that exists to grow disciples and glorify God. For more information, please visit www.thewellhastings.com. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your word. God, thank you so much for the the book of Ephesians and uh, and the encouragement that it's been, uh, not only to me personally, but to our church family, just hearing throughout the week as we meet in gospel community as our, as, our, as our leadership development teams meet, as, as I get to spend time one-on-one with people, um, I just get to hear the way that you have been encouraging us in this. Father, thank you so much for that work of grace that you are doing through your word as it is preached and studied and digested. God, I pray that you would continue to do that work today. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us. I pray, God, that you would give us rest. I pray, Father, that you would take all of us hard workers, people who want to do things and help us to rest in the finished work of Christ at the cross. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, amen. So last week, um, last week what we did was we looked at the first nine words, right, of Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10, first nine words of verse 8, those nine words, and then we summarized those into three words from verse 8. Those three words were the word for, the word grace, and the word faith. Nine words, summarizing to those three words, and what we learned is that the gift of salvation is given to us by God's free grace and is received through the pipeline of faith. That was last week, right? Big idea from last week. The gift of salvation is given to us by God's free grace and is received through the pipeline of faith. Now look at Ephesians chapter 2 with me again, verses 8 through 10. Paul says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in. In them, such a, such a formative passage uh, for me in my journey. And I pray that it, if, if it hasn't been for you, that, it, that this uh, maybe makes it that way for you as we study through it. Last week, um, as we looked at those first nine words um, of this text in verse 8, um, we learned what I just said, right? The gift of salvation is given to us by God's free grace and it's received through the pipeline of faith. Um, but as we look at, 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 at the rest of this passage this week, we're, we're going to look at the next 24 words, okay? Well, you guys are like, gosh, pastor's a word geek. Yeah, I am. It's true. Um, we're going to look at the next 24 words in verses 8 through 9. And wh- what I want to do to kind of get us rolling is I want to ask this question. Um, to kind of get your mind headed in, in, in the direction I think we're supposed to head. What, what is something that you love to do that when you work hard at doing it produces the tangible results that make you feel good? Let me ask the question again. What is something that you love to do that if you work really hard at it, it then produces these super tangible results that makes you feel good? There's a lot of things that I love to do. Um, I definitely love to work hard. 
I certainly get super jacked up uh, when I see tangible results from my hard work, um, which then at the end of all that makes me feel really, really good about myself, right? Okay? Just confessing. Um, so it's hard for me, as I think about that question that I asked, hard for me just to kind of pick one thing. Um, but just so that I'm answering the question, um, and you don't think I'm trying to skate out of but answering the question too, um, something that I've learned to love to do uh, and something that I work hard at that does uh, produce tangible results and does make me feel super good is probably my, my uh, daily workout routine. All right, some of you have heard me talk about that. Um, my, my goal for working out is simply to lose weight. Okay? I, I started getting in really good shape and my shape was round. So I, I needed to lose some weight. It's, it's kind of like goal number one uh, for me. Uh, I wanted to get fit and I, and I wanted to get healthier. Uh, that's kind of the big overarching goal uh, for me. So what I did was I put together a, a five-day routine, kind of a workout routine. And then my goal is to uh, follow that routine three to five days per week, roughly. Um, and, and I've been doing it. Uh, I, I've been working hard at doing that routine. I've been I've been doing it, working hard at it since February of this year. Uh, I think I took four weeks off over July when I was gone. But outside of that, I, uh, I've really stuck with it, which, um, which is new for me because that's never been a, a real um, big piece of my life. Uh, and, and there's been some tangible results that I feel super great about. You know, like when I step on the scale, um, numbers look differently than they did back in February. And when I look in the mirror, there's some things that look differently than they used to. Um, and... Uh, uh, and so, so I'm, I'm super jacked up about that, right? right? I'm more fit than I was. I've, I've lost a little bit of weight. Um, and in fact, like this last week, <clears throat> this last week, as I choke, sorry. <laughs> this last week as I was in the gym, man, I, I, I squatted 270 pounds. Can somebody go beast? Yeah, right? Thank you. You guys, are, you, guys are, you guys are helping me to set this up really well. So I'm, I'm thankful for you guys, grateful for that. Like a year ago when I started this back in February, I was, I was squatting like 95 pounds, okay? So um, like my joints were sore, my muscles were sore, they were barely there. Uh, so 275 was, uh, uh, was pretty, pretty good. I feel pretty great about that, right? Um, and that kind of leads me to what I want to say. What I want to say today is this. Um, it's kind of a formula that I came up with from this passage that I think fits where we're at. Uh, doing plus working plus results equals bragging rights. Doing plus working plus results equals bragging rights. See, I am a doer, right? I am a worker. I am a results-oriented person, and I love bragging rights. I just did it. Right? I just bragged to you about how I increased my squatting from 95 pounds roughly a year ago to 275 pounds last week. That's me doing things, working hard at it, getting the results, and then bragging about it. That's why this text is super important for me to wrap my head and my heart around. Because what this text teaches us is that the gift of salvation results in humility. And humility is a result of resting in a truth. A result of resting in the truth that God's doing plus God's working plus God's results equals God's glory. This truth is 
super counterintuitive to the way that um, I live my life in almost every area. And think about your life and the way that you live in all the areas of your life. This, this truth that we're going to learn today um, is, is basically counterintuitive to the way that we live um, all the categories of our lives. Like, I, you and I have to do stuff every day, right? Have to. And we can have our days, we try to lay in bed all day. Um, but, but we pretty much have to do something every day. But we got to work hard. And there has to be tangible results of the things that you do and the hard work that you put in. There has to be tangible results produced from those things. Otherwise, otherwise if not, then, then we're just kind of wasting our time, right? So, so this, this is just ingrained in, 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 in our lives. Why well, I say this truth is counterintuitive because when it comes to my salvation, now if you build out that category, when it comes to my salvation, when it comes to your salvation, what Paul says, he says that the gift of salvation is given to us by God's free grace and it is received through the pipeline of faith. And this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of work, so that no one may boast. When I hear this passage, when I think about this truth, when I contemplate every phrase in what Paul is saying in these verses, when I get this kind of like funny, kind of uncomfortable feeling deep down inside, I wrestle with it all week as I really dove down into study this week. Just this uncomfortable feeling, and it's for a couple of reasons. Number one, number one, I am a doer. Part of the way that I've outlined this sermon, part of the way that I planned to, to preach it was to preach it from a, from a confessional standpoint almost. So hopefully that kind of helps you too as you fill in these blanks. Um, point one, I, I am just a doer. And maybe some of you that are here are like, yeah, I'm not, much that, I'm not that much of a doer, so maybe this is going to miss me. And I just hope you hang with it. Um, for me, I am a, a doer. This, this truth that the gift of salvation results in humility, and it makes me feel a little uncomfortable, partly because, like I said, I am a doer. I love to get things done. I love, I, I really enjoy, I get jacked up about checking things off my list. Things that I have to do, I love just check off, checking them off, checking them off, right? I, I especially love it when I can erase the list of things that I had to do because then I feel like I completed something. I finished it. So when Paul says that my salvation is not a result of my own doing, I get a little bit uncomfortable inside because I've had 39 years of my life being conditioned by this sense that I gotta get up out of bed in the morning and go get something done. It's just, it's ingrained in our nature. Part, part of that is the fallen nature of the world that we live in. The other part of that is also mirroring the God that we serve because God's a hard worker. And so I don't want to miss that. I'm going to spend a lot of time there, but we intuitively should know that God is a super hard worker. He can outwork any of us any day, okay? Um, just look around at the cosmos around us. Like, none of us breathed stars into being. But as Seth likes to say, we are redeemed by the star breather. Um, God's a hard worker too. Um, so when, when Paul says this, when Paul says that my salvation is not a result of my own doing, I get a little uncomfortable. I, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do anymore. How's that for an oxymoron, right? I, I don't know what to do anymore because 
I can't do anything about my salvation. It's crazy. If you sit and contemplate, pray, think through this in regards to your salvation. Like my ability to do something in regards to my salvation and my right standing and my acceptance before God, it's been taken away. I, I, I don't, what, what am I going to do? Nothing. <laughs> this is a really good answer. I has nothing. My ability to do something to make God love me has been removed. I've been reduced. Okay, so follow this train of thought. I've been reduced, although in parentheses you could say I've been elevated, but for the sake of argument, I've been reduced from a human doing into a human being. You see why I say for the sake of argument? Because the reality is human being is actually an elevation above being a human doing. But I just say kind of reduced because that's where I live as being a human doing more than being a human being. So I've kind of been reduced or elevated, depending on how you want to say it. See, see God didn't create human doings. He created human beings, primarily. And therefore, therefore, I need my tendencies to be a human doing. I need those to be taken away. I need those to be taken away. I need to be given a fresh biblical perspective on what it means to be a human being in light of the gospel. That's what needs to happen inside of me, and I believe inside of each of you as you're hearing this. And the Lord gives, and the Lord takes away. The Lord gives humility, and he takes away pride. The Lord does this as he reminds us, specifically in me, man. He, does, he, he develops humility inside of me as he reminds me of how frail and how weak how much of a failing human being I am, how much I need him. My, my, my frailty and my weakness in, in light of his goodness, his powerfulness, his grandness, that, that's, a, that's a massive tension between the two. And yet, yet he, as awesome and as powerful and as grand as God is, saw fit to love me like I was the only one to love in the universe. And that's, that's such a massive thought to think about in terms of humility. He gives humility as he takes away pride. The Lord does this as he reminds me that I am frail. I am a human being who constantly fails. But he has chosen to love me and you infinitely despite our attempts at balancing the scales of everything that we fail at doing with everything that we think we do successfully. This is what God does. This is why this truth of this text is so important for us to remember. It's important to remember because the gift of salvation results in humility, and humility is a result of resting in the truth that God's doing plus God's working plus God's results equals what? God's Glory. Now, the second reason this truth makes me feel a little uncomfortable is this. Number two, I am a worker. I am a worker. This truth that the the gift of salvation results in humility makes me feel super uncomfortable, right? Because I love to work. It's not not just that I love to do things. I actually love to work. And don't hear me wrong, right? Don't hear me wrong. Uh, I have my lazy moments. 
Um, one of those lazy moments is going to be when we leave here today and I go home and take my Sunday afternoon cat nap. I look forward to that every week. It's my lazy moment. Like I just, hey, it's good, refreshing. But, but, but I love to work. Those moments for me, those lazy moments <clears throat> don't happen as often as I wish uh, that they would. Um, I don't always enjoy the work that I do, but I do enjoy the work. I don't always enjoy the work that I have to do. There's some work that I have to do that I really don't want to do. All of you should be able to get that, right? Um, but at the end of the day, I can say that I do love to work. I, I, I personally am a, a results-oriented person. My hard work results in getting things done, and I love the feeling of accomplishment that happens when I get something done. Deep down inside, I, I love, I love giving myself a pat on the back for a job well done. Anybody else want to join me in that confession? Like, hate to confess that, don't want to confess that, don't want anybody to know that. But if you know me for longer than 10 minutes, you should probably know that about me already anyways. You probably don't need me to confess that to know that. I love giving myself a pat on the back at the end of the day. I love the work. So when Paul says that my salvation is a gift of God, not a result of works, <laughs> I get uncomfortable. Understand why I get uncomfortable? You know, I'm comfortable. I don't know what to do because my ability to do some hard work, to crank out the results, the awesome results of God's love, right? That, that gets cut off at the knees. I feel a little fearful because I'm so used to working. I'm so used to working hard and doing a bunch of things that produce the results I'm longing for. I'm used to working hard to get what I want. Think about the things that you want. This is what happens. We want something, so we do all sorts of things, and we work hard at doing all sorts of things so that we can satisfy those wants, those desires, those longings, right? So think about that in terms of your wants. Like for me, I want to be loved completely. I want to be accepted despite my constant failures. I want to be the center of someone else's world. I want to be respected. I want to be successful. I want to be powerful. I want to be admired. I want to work hard to make all those things happen. Your want or your desire, your learning may not have made it on my list. But you should write that down right now on your handout in front of you. What do you want? Because what you want is what you will do a bunch of stuff to get. It's what you will work the hardest to get. It will saturate your thought life. It will saturate your behavior. It will saturate everything about you. Your deepest wants is what you will do everything to get. Your deepest wants is what you'll work the hardest to get. And when you get the results, give yourself a pat on the back. You might do it with some religious language like, oh, look what God gave me. I was a good boy. I did everything I should do. Oh, man, I worked hard for that. But God, you're so good. Right? We can do that without saying it, but I'm telling you. Category of what you want is what makes you do things and work hard to get them. In a sense, you take these confessions of the things that I want, 
in a sense, what I would say um, is that I want to save myself from the living hell that I live in, right? You think about that. If we use words and language, sometimes flippantly, I want to use that intentionally. When it comes to my salvation, I want to save myself from the hell of not being lovable or from the hell of not being acceptable or not being respectable or not being successful or not being powerful or not being admirable. I want to save myself from those things. Let me tell you, that kind of hell that we live in here on this earth comes nothing close to the hell that separates us from a loving Father for all of eternity. That's why salvation through the cross of Christ is so important, right? Long story short, though, when it comes to my salvation, it's a gift to be received, not worked for. Not worked for. Therefore, instead of doing things or working hard to earn my salvation, what I'm learning in this season, right? And, and this is what I really think the Christian journey is all about, is constantly learning to trust someone else to do the things that need to get done. It's hard to do that because all of us deep down intrinsically inside think that we're better at getting things done than anybody else's. That's why we don't trust other people to do our jobs, right? Right? I mean, you know how that goes? You know how that goes? I mean, I, I've been a boss. I've had employees. Um, I know what it's like. You ask somebody to do something and it doesn't get done right. You're like, I'm going to just do it myself, right? Right? Somebody say amen, right? <laughs> um, it's ingrained in us, even if you're not a boss. I mean, you, you just be an employee and be working next to another employee and be like, why won't they do it right? It's ingrained in us. But the Christian journey is about trusting, learning to trust someone else to do the things that need to get done. It's about learning to trust someone else to do the hard work for us. So I'm learning to place all of my salvific, big word, saving, salvific needs and desires into the hands of someone that I cannot see. I have to believe and trust two sides of faith. Put faith in someone that I've, I've, I've never actually seen. And that's someone that I can't see. His name is Jesus, right? And God says that when Jesus hung on that cross, what did he say? It is finished. It is done. It is complete. The work is done and the doing is done. You're mine now. I love you and accept you forever. This is what Jesus said at the cross. It is finished. The penalty for my sin has been paid. There are some theologians dating all the way back to Augustine, not Augustine that believed this, but Augustine who warred against it. Big word, penal substitutionary atonement. I love that word. You can write it down and look it up. Penal substitutionary atonement. Uh, there was another theologian around during the time of Augustine, and Augustine wholeheartedly believed in the penal substitutionary atonement of Christ at the cross, meaning this. Christ was our substitute, substitutionary. He paid the price, penal, right? There, there was a price for our sin to be paid. Atonement. The atonement covers our sin. It was blood. 
broken body. Penal substitutionary atonement. That's my lamest way of explaining without any notes in front of me to get it absolutely just right, okay? So go look it up. If I'm wrong, you can, you can set me straight. That was Augustine. And, and then, honestly, this goes throughout Scripture, goes back through the early church fathers, down through the Puritans, all the way into today. This is a core doctrine of the church that, that has been believed. Now, there were other theologians during that time who did not believe the penal substitutionary atonement that Christ dying on our part as our substitute to pay for our sins, they were just like, that's too harsh. We, we don't want to talk about an angry God. We want to talk about a loving God. Like, we want to talk about a God who comes to heal. Yeah, true, we should. Let me tell you something. God's healing us does not become available to us if he doesn't first pay the price for our sins. Our sins make us sick, therefore we need healing. Absolutely agreed with you all day long. But as soon as you take our healing and you elevate that above our need for someone who paid the price to make us right so that we could actually walk into the doctor's office and get the actual help that we needed, man, you miss the point. How do you actually get healing if you can't walk into the doctor's office and get it? All right? if If the doctor that you need is your enemy, Who's gonna, somebody going to drag you in there, kicking and screaming? So I bring all this up so that we would remember that when Jesus hung on that cross, he said, it is finished. It's not just healing that it was finished. What was finished was the payment and the ransom for our sins so that we could be made brand new. The work that needed to be done got done. The things that needed to be done were done. And Jesus says, you are mine now. I love you and accept you forever. This is why the core truth of this text becomes so important to remember because the gift of salvation results in humility. And humility is a result of resting in the truth that God's doing plus God's working plus God's results equals what? God's glory. There's still one more problem that this text reveals within me. And it's the third point on your outline on the screen in front of you. Number three, I love to brag. I love bragging. The rest of you here may not want to admit that with me. It's okay. I'm okay being in the bragging camp by myself. Maybe it's a personality thing. I don't think so. I think it's a sin thing deep down inside for me. And I, and I think for most of us, it's where it's at, right? Because we're infected with sin. I love bragging rights. I love to brag about how many pounds I squatted this week at the gym. Already did that. Ching, done, right? I love to brag about how awesome my wife is, which I think it's kind of cool. At least I'm bragging on somebody else. But I love to brag about myself, mostly. I love to brag about how smart I am. I love to brag about how many books I've read, especially you come in my house to see my stacks of books. Yo, you know what I mean? Hey. I love to brag on how many books I've read. want you to think that I've read every one of those books on my shelf. <clears throat> love to brag about church planting. Love to brag about the church planting work that I'm doing, especially if it appears like it's going well. I don't want to stay there. I'm just just confessing to you that this is part of the way that I roll in my broken, frail nature. (laughs) See, what Paul says is that my salvation is not a result of works so that no one may boast, so that no one may brag. You can do a word search on the word boast, boasting, and boastful, and look at what Paul writes in, I think, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, and Romans. Throughout those books, you see 
how he talks about his accomplishments in life and his failures. You just read, you can just feel it oozing off the page that Paul really struggled as a boastful man too. Like Paul struggled with bragging. Something happened when he met Jesus. Paul says that my salvation is not a result of works so that no one may boast. And how's that for a shot to the ego for us, right? You don't get to boast. How's that for a brag and buzz kill? Like, you don't get to brag. Even though we love to brag. We don't get the bragging rights. The glory is not about us. The glory is about God. That's where this is headed. The problem for us is that we all love bragging rights. Every one of us loves to have those. The mom who endures doing the hard work of labor and delivery for 17 hours, even though she hated the pain, she loves the bragging rights. Listen to a group of moms talk. And I'm trying to take anything away from you ladies either. I've never given birth to a kid. I'm not trying to take anything. I'm just pointing out. <laughs> we, we all want to compare in many ways, all right? Um, my wife and I went to the gym together. And even though I know that I can lift more than she can, I want to show off for her. Bragging, babe, catch up. <laughs> He's like, give birth to seven kids. Crap. <laughs> <laughs> Can't win with her. <laughs> Six. And the athlete who endures doing the hard work of training, making the team, winning their sport, man, they love their bragging rights. The gun enthusiast, like Brandon, Mark, right? You guys who love guns, blow things up every weekend. You love doing the work, the hard work of becoming a better marksman and producing the results of tight shot patterns, right? I mean, that's just part of the things we like to, to brag about. The academic bookworm, I have a few of those in my home who love doing the hard work or study that produces the results of written papers or high grades or, or great college educations or college acceptance letters. The list can go on and on and on. The question for you and I is where do you just love to do things and where do you just love to work hard so that you can get the results that give you the bragging rights. See, the core truth of this passage is important for us to remember. In the face of our longing, our wants, and our desires for having the bragging rights, because what happens is when we grasp this truth of this text, it murders our pride. It murders our pride. Helps us comes to come to grips with this truth. And as we come to grips with this truth, that pride within us gets turned into humility. That truth is this, the gift of salvation results in humility. And humility is a result of resting in the truth that God's doing, plus God's working, plus whose results? God's results equals what? God's glory. We're getting there. God's glory. Here's some more good news. Number four, bragging gets redeemed. You might be like, wait a minute. Heresy, Joe? No, keep your heresy sticks on your sides for a second. Just, just listen. Bragging gets redeemed. How does bragging get redeemed? How? Let me stab at it this way. And this is deeply influenced by the way that I read Paul in other places. When you read Paul in, in the letters to the Corinthians and the letter to the Galatians and the letter to the Romans, and you, you, you specifically go and you look at what he says about being boastful and boasting, you find that shift. I, I intentionally did not put those passages in my sermon because if I did, we'd still be here two hours from now, okay? Because I can barely get through 24 words of preaching. I'm just telling you now, go there, check it out. 
use your index in the back of your Bible and go check out how Paul engages this. So I just tell you that way you know that. That's where this is influenced at. This, this passage rips the guts right out of my pride. When Paul says that the gift of salvation is not my own doing, that it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that I no longer have any bragging rights, it makes me feel a little uncomfortable. You know what? Also makes me feel super energized. Why would I say that this text energizes me? Why would I say that? Now, I say that I feel super energized about this because any person, any person here who's ever worked a lawn shift, ever work a lawn shift? Any person here who's ever labored for hours on end and worked so stinking hard that, at, that as you were coming home at the, at the end of the day, you felt like you just had the, the, your knuckles just scraped from like dragging on the ground from all your hard work. You can barely stand up. That's how tired you are, right? You've endured that long season of overtime, working every day for however long it may have been until you can see in your front view mirror, man, there's a day off coming up, right? What does that day feel like when it's coming up in the front view mirror and you're like, man, I just got to get there. Or, or when that long day or that long season of work is over, you're tired, you're worn out, you got nothing left to do, you're done working. The best news for you, right? The best news for that overworked soul or your tired body, the best news for you is that day off. Or the best news for you, we heard this today in our, in our prayer time, best news for you is that warm shower at the end of that day, right? You wash off the hard work, the toil, the dirt from your hard work and your toil. The best news for you is that cold drink or that comfortable easy chair in, in your living room. See, that, that warm shower, that, that cold drink or that day off or that comfortable bed or that easy chair in the living room, it's like the closest thing to heaven on earth that you get to experience, right? Doesn't that jack you up? Why does that jack you up? Because it's an echo of our hope of heaven. It's rest. Listen to me, that's it. You've been working so hard. You've been doing everything you could do. Tired, worn out. Jesus steps into the room and he says, hey, take a load off. Follow me. That's the hope of heaven. That's why I say that bragging gets redeemed. Bragging gets redeemed because Jesus went to the cross for us. That way we who are weary and heavy and broken and tired can find eternal rest. That's why I get jacked up. Whenever I hear the gift of salvation results in humility and humility is a result of resting in the truth that God's doing plus God's working plus God's results equals God's glory. I need to hear this because when I do this, when I do hear this, what happens is I get reminded that my bragging does get redeemed. And when bragging gets redeemed, I brag on something new. Agreed? When bragging gets redeemed, you and I brag on something new. That's point number five on your outline. Now, instead of bragging about you, now I brag about God. Now I brag about God. That's why this passage jacks me all up as I study it. And in terms of my right standing and my acceptance before God, there's no more doing. There's no more working. There's no more performing. There's no more results 
oriented, goal setting. There's no more strategizing or hiding or pretending or faking my way to the top. There's only rest in the easy armchair of God's loving presence. That's a slice of heaven on earth that blows the doors off anything that I can accomplish, anything that I can work for, or anything that I can do. Now I can get my brag on, right? Now I can get my brag on. My, my brag is different. My swagger isn't the same as it was before. Now I boast in the cross of Christ. Now I brag on my Lord and Savior. Now, now, now I swagger with my heavenly Father, right? Right? I tried hard to put some of these words together because it, it just felt so good. I just write that down and put that on your mirror, man. I swagger with my heavenly Father. Doesn't that cause joy to well up? <laughs> man, man, it's good. Like this is what we get to brag on now. I know my rebellious nature. I, I know my daily struggle and sin. I could sometimes see like the filthy horror movie of my past life playing reruns across the movie screen of my, of my brain. I know that no matter how hard I work, no matter how hard I work to do more good things, I will still fail in the future. But God, but God, but God, but God gave his son Jesus for me at the cross of Calvary. But God chose me to be the object of his affection and love. But God did everything that needed to be done to save me from myself. But God did all of the work at the cross of Christ so that I can rest in his presence as a once dead person, now alive child of God. But God is the one who created me. But God is the one who purchased me. But God is the one who came and yanked me out of the pawn shop of my sinfulness. But God calls me his. But God never left me, though I left him so many times. But God saved me despite my past sins. But God came and made me his own despite my current sin, despite my future sin. But God eternally loves me, though I often love him momentarily. God, but God consistently and slowly changes me, though I consistently and frequently live in disobedience to him. But God constantly smiles over me because of the work of Christ, even though I often get disgusted with him because I don't get the results that I wanted fast enough in this life. It's the God who graciously and mercifully and lovingly gives himself to us. Now I brag on God. Now I brag on God because even though my flesh is weak and even though my heart consistently fails, the truth is this, that the, the gift of salvation results in humility. And humility is a result of resting in the truth that God's doing plus God's working plus God's results equals what? God's glory. Amen? Like whenever I start thinking, whenever I start thinking or, or believing or behaving in a way that says that my doing plus my working plus my results equals bragging rights, 
Like I begin to preach this to myself instead. But God is the doer and the worker and the results producer of my salvation because God's doing plus God's working plus God's results equals what again? God's glory. So the invitation for you and I today is that we can stop doing anything. Stop doing everything that we're doing to earn God's love and acceptance. Man, you can stop working hard to pretend that you're better than you really are. You can stop measuring the results of your slow growth process against the picture that you have in your head of what growth looks like. You can stop bragging about everything you're gonna do or have done. You can stop the doing. You can stop the working. You can stop the result chasing. You can stop the self-centered bragging and you can just simply rest. Just simply rest. You can rest in the truth that the gift of salvation results in humility and humility is a result of resting in the truth that God's doing plus God's working, plus God's results equals God's glory. Brag on that this week, friends. Brag on that. Let's pray. Father, again, thank you so much for your kindness and your grace towards us and your mercy towards us in the message of the gospel and in this text. Father, as we turn our attention to the communion table, Lord, I pray that you would humble and humiliate us as needed so that we might glorify you. I pray, God, that you would come in these closing moments and take the words of this passage and this sermon and apply it to our hearts in ways that magnify the cross of Jesus Christ and our need for Savior. Lord, we love you. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. You're listening to an audio message from The Well, a gospel-centered church family in Hastings, Nebraska that exists to grow disciples and glorify God. For more information, please visit www.thewellhastings.com.